Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name's Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I've been producing in Sydney, Australia since April 2016. Thank you so much for joining me. Now the show, the format these days is there are two weekly shows that drop. On the weekends, we have the interview shows where I talk to guitarists, guitar figures, and midweek we have the iconic album series and that's when I'm joined by my friends Rob and Gabor. We talk about some of the most influential guitar records in our collection. On the table today, Cole Chisel's 1982 album, Circus Animals. Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. All right, welcome to Iconic Albums. Fellas, congratulations. It's number 10. Woohoo! Wow. Oh, I wow. thought you meant 10 on the charts. Now I'm disappointed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> episode 10. Episode 10, no, episode 10. And I'm joined by my friends Rob Rhodes. Hey, Matt. Hey, Gabor. And Gabor Jessica. Hey, Matt. Hey, Rob. How are you guys doing? Good, good. I still Great. don't know why I'm waving. No one can see me waving. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We're all waving now. It's been awesome though. Ten, 10 weeks in, this has been so fun. And uh, we've got, as we recorded, I think I've mentioned this before, we usually record three episodes in a in a block and then, then get those out don't, weekly. Um, don't give away the magic. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are for another bunch of three, and, and which gets us to episode 10. All right, little maths, a little bit of maths there. Hey, this week, um, we're up to my my turn for an album, and uh, I've chosen Cold Chisel's Circus Animals from 1982. This was their fourth studio album. It was their fifth long player um, after the live album Swing Shift came out in 81. And this ended up being their first number one album, even though by 82, five full-length albums, four studio records, they were fully entrenched in the... Australian music scene and really at the top of their top of their game. So the reason I chose this album, I'm I'm a huge Chisel fan and and Jimmy Barnes and um, Ian Moss as a solo artist too. Um, this one for me, in terms of guitar playing, though, what why why this stood out for me as an iconic guitar album? I think on this record, Ian Moss, his tone, he was uh the tone was getting bigger, if that was possible, because it was already super sweet and big on those first few records. But to me, it sounded like the tone was getting a bit bigger, a bit, uh, a bit rawer, perhaps. And there were a bunch of massive hits on this record. Um, you got "Nothing I Want," "Forever Now," "Bow River," "When the War Is Over," plus plus all the other deep cuts, which which are a killer. So. This was, uh, yeah, this was my choice for, for the Chisel album. I knew I wanted to do a Chisel album somewhere. For the folks at home, for the last two and a half years, my main, my busiest gig has been playing in a Cold Chisel Jimmy Barnes show here in Sydney. 
and uh, around New South Wales. And um, that just goes off. And it's been so fun getting my head into these parts of these songs. So I guess for me, Chisel were one of those bands you could know, especially growing up as a kid, um, you could know heaps of Cold Chisel songs without ever owning one of their records because they were so ubiquitous on the radio, especially from that third album on from East, which was a huge mm. a huge commercial success. And I was just reading Don Don Walker, one, one of the principal writers in Chisel, not the only one by this stage of their career, though, was saying, well, East was this huge commercial success, which they wanted, and uh, by circus animals, they were kicking back a little bit. Yeah, that, that that's a little bit of background for my... Uh, my thought process for, for choosing this album. Rob, I'm interested in your connection with, with, uh, with Chisel growing up. Yeah, well, as you said, they were, they were just everywhere uh-huh. and uh, you couldn't get away. I, I was on job sites from like four years old and as, as early as I can remember, my dad would have a little <laughs> transistor radio on the job site and... If you didn't hear a cold chisel song every hour, you exactly, thought yeah. someone had like lost the tapes or something. It's like, what? No chisel this hour? And um, so, yeah, growing up, they were everywhere. And, and I grew up yeah. in southwest Sydney. So it was, the, they were the Westie band, you know, for, for all of us. They were flying the flag. They came out of the Elizabeth in Adelaide, okay. which is very similar to probably from stories was a little bit rougher than where I grew up, but uh, very similar with a lot of government housing areas and um, blue collar workers, that sort of stuff. So you could immediately identify with those guys and, and the slog that they went through. And uh, so the songs like, Mm -hmm. yeah, from, from early on, they were just everywhere. I think my auntie had East. So every time we went and spun vinyls, You'd put East on, and the first Chisel yes. album I bought was Swing Shift, and I just absolutely love that record. They're on fire. Yeah, that set list is just brilliant, um, and it's mixed so well as well. That album it's just crazy good. Um, so it was hard to escape them. Um, they were pretty much the biggest band, and it's arguable that they may still be the biggest band in Australia. It's You could put them in the top five of just walk up to anyone on the street and name an Australian band yep. and it's yep. going to be, of all ages, it's going to be Cold Chisel, In Excess, Midnight Oil. You know, they're probably going to be the big three um, unless you want to go further back to the bands that came out, like the Easy Beats and ACDC. And, but they're going to be the big sort of names that, that come up and that's a testament... Okay. Tons of requests for Chisel. Yeah, and that's a testament to the songs. Um, there's a, there's very few that sound dated, and that's another thing. It still sounds like fresh and aggressive, even when you've heard it a million times on the radio. And I think that, apart from the songwriting and the chemistry between everyone in the band, um, I think that goes a long way to their longevity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good call, man. For sure. How about you, Gabor? Again, coming to Australia from Austria, um, sort of early 90s. Yeah. I missed all that. 
I missed all that. So I, uh, I moved to Australia in 93, I think I mentioned it before. Uh, oh, no, sorry, 92. I started school in, in um, um, no, hang on, 93. And then I did 94, 95, I did school. Sorry, yeah. So 93. Do we need to go back to the previous episodes to fact check <laughs> I need him? To or... back. No, no, sorry. So I'm getting old and confused. So 93, I moved to Australia. And um, so I missed all that. And I was a, yep. you know, grunge punk kind of kid that came here and was hanging out with, you know, grunge punk kind of kids here. So I, I completely missed all that. Um, I'm, I'm the absolute black sheep uh, out of this group. Uh, so this was my first ever time listening to a Chisel album. I've never listened to Chisel before, ever. I've almost, to a certain degree, rebelled a little bit against Chisel purely because of when people request... I'll be, I mean, I've yeah. been performing, I've been gigging in covers bands, uh, you know, since the late 90s. And um, when people request it, you know, chisel songs. And we were at the time we were like yeah. you know, a funk yeah, band yeah. with a female singer and stuff like that, like yeah, funk, yeah. R&B and people go, oh, play some chisel, man. Um, and then when you say no, you almost, it's like this <laughs> shock horror. What? <laughs> you don't do chisel? So I think I almost rebelled a little bit against it. Um, and and uh, so this was, this was my, like with some of the previous albums, this was my very first time ever listening to I've listened to a couple of songs because I've played a couple of songs in various yeah. duos and bands and stuff before uh actually yeah. Boy River was one of them which is on this album um but yeah my first time ever so I completely missed all the 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 chisel fancy oh, not fancy fancy wrong wrong are you, are you an Australian citizen Gabor thing. have you got a dual citizenship that's like, exactly what people say that's exactly what <laughs> you call yourself a musician you in through? Australia <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They uh, it was a must have been a clerical mistake. <laughs> no, there's just three answers you need, isn't it? Like Don Bradman, K San, and yeah. Hey Hey It's Saturday, and then you'll get your Australian citizenship. And there's going to be maybe even a new Hey Hey It's Saturday as well now. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that's another can of worms. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. I, I'll be I'll be thrilled to see how they do that politically correct in 2021. But anyway, oh god, yeah. That Especially is another can of <laughs> it's, it's funny, Gabor, you should say about the cover band thing because I did years of weddings and yeah. um, sort of top 40 cover band and still do it and love it. Um, yeah. People would hey, play some chisel. And, and sometimes we do um, K-San, but like I'd think, oh, man, I would love to do some chisel. So to, to end up playing it most Saturdays now. That's cool. Uh, That's great. The, That's cool. It's the best, yeah. Um, um, yeah. It's yeah. funny and it's still, and like Matt was saying, it's, it's any age group. It, it's the oldies, but it's the really young kids too yeah, that come up yeah. and say, "Can you play some chisel?" So it's it's. I, I totally agree with with Rob that it's it's probably they're still one of the one of those bands that Australian bands that's still around and still everyone loves them and wants to listen to them and and wants to hear the, their songs. Yeah, well, they totally went out on top. So the album we're looking at tonight, um, Circus Animals, came out March '82. By December '83, they're recording. L- they're filming Last Stand, which was their last okay. gig. Um, okay. And in a lot of ways, they really, um, I reckon they're, they're a little bit responsible for these tribute bands, especially in Sydney anyway, because when they finished up, I think one of the first tribute bands around Sydney anyway were the, the Cold Chisel shows popping up. Yeah, okay. I think Swing Shift might have been one of the first ones. Um, I remember Which them. had Dave Leslie uh, did a stint with them amongst other okay. uh, players. So, um yeah, and it's funny because we're not the only. Uh, shout out to Last Stand, by the way. That's 
that's the band I play in. But there's a, there's a couple of bands around doing this stuff and we all seem to be busy. And Cold Chisel are back together yeah. playing now. Barnsey, I think part of the reason Chisel's remained up front in our consciousness as well is because Jimmy Barnes' solo career has... He, he pretty much started the day after Chisel wrapped up. By January 84, he's, he's, he launched his solo career and um, it's never stopped and he's always drawn on a whole bunch of Chisel material in his set. So, so it was the, the only song I kind of knew when I first moved here or heard um, that he sang on was The Weight that he did with Bad Loves. Oh yeah, right. Okay, um, and that, that was, was the, well and truly into his song. Yeah, that's what I mean. That yeah. was that was that was mid '90s. So, um, mm. but yeah, that's that's sort of that was my I think my earliest reference of Jimmy Barnes. Yeah, God, the amount of the like you playing a Cold Chisel show, Matt. So, you know the the sheer weight of really just a short time that they were together, yeah. but like recording wise, but the the amount of songs just in a standard cover band that you you play, let alone a cold chisel show. Yeah. You know, I know over the years I've played K San. I try to avoid it. Yeah. But, you know, I used to have a rule pre COVID if you wanted to hear K San, you had to sing it with me. Uh-huh. So I would just play the guitar and someone else would sing it because I'm just like, ah, if you want to hear it, you sing it. Um, that was always a fun little thing to do. Um, but yeah, Flame Trees, Bow River, Rising yeah. Sun. Yeah. I played all those songs forever now which um, we'll get into on this album. But yeah, for one band to have that many songs that you would play over the years, there's not many that can say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I played, just, I mean, just on a side note, I played once in my whole life at a gig, I played Kaysan. And that was at a gig at the Treasury Casino in Brisbane. And <laughs> it was not, it, I, was filling, I was filling in, I was filling in on guitar um, um, with a band there. And um it was not on the set list, and the singer said, "Oh, let's let's play it." And I said, "I don't know what the chords are." <laughs> and um, thankfully, there was a keyboard player, and I was standing next to the bass player, and the bass player was yelling the chords at me while we were playing it. <laughs> that was my one memory of playing that song live. What a cracker! <laughs> now we easy do, we easy do like two and a half hours of of stuff. We usually do an hour set and then a ninety. Uh, 60 and 90 and just every tune's a hit and you're throwing some mm. solo barns <laughs> and there's plenty that we don't get to that no. that are like known songs so when i when i get the gig i don't want to make this about me doing the gig but i'm just saying these songs are so ingrained in me i don't think there was a song i didn't know as yeah. in I, I hadn't heard it a million times out of 40 odd tunes i had to learn um yeah. Which makes it much easier to learn the songs, yeah. Totally, yeah. totally, yeah. Yeah, it's like osmosis, you know, the arrangements, you know, yeah. yeah. You just got to find the notes. Um, yeah. I mean, that said, let's let's talk about Mossy's playing. He, um, It's interesting when you hear the live albums because his solos are so iconic and such a part of the, the composition of these songs. You've, you've got to try and play them in the spirit they're, they're delivered. The live albums, Mossy often just goes out and just does whatever he wants. But he's Ian Moss. He's allowed to. So, for the rest of us, you got to try and get close to the to the melodic content, and the the high points. For a lot of these tunes, it's it's amazing. Let Let's talk about um, some key tracks. Rob, what what have you got down as some of your standouts? Oh, look, it's really hard to go past those hits. You know, they were hits for a reason. Yeah, they're yep. ridiculously good songs. Um, and, you know, I've gone through periods where I didn't want to hear anything from them. Um, 
or Jimmy Barnes, but you come back to it. Um, so for me, and I'm always attracted to the ones that Mossy sings. Yeah, okay. Uh, me Bo, too. Bow River is a standout just for the sheer, like, driving nature and intensity of that song. Yeah. Um, and when you when you hear it, it's the intro there. I, I don't know what they would, like, the timing's way off at times. Yeah. But it just forces you in to listen to go, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. So Bow River is a standout. <laughs> the guitars... Don Walker's keyboards on that song uh-huh. completely underrated as well. Yeah, like, yeah, he's just driving the hell out. Um, and then Forever Now because to me that is quintessential Ian Moss's guitar tone, right forefront for everyone. To I mean, that's hear a super iconic riff. Even I knew that one. Yes. <laughs> there's just there's so much air. Like Stephen Presswich is playing exactly the right thing on drums. Yeah. yeah. You know, everyone's given space and that guitar is just, it. it's melodic, like what a singer mm. might sing, you know? And it's just his whole, his whole thing is encapsulated in that, in that intro and, and in the subsequent guitar solo as yeah, well yeah. later in the song. Totally. It always, for some reason, that, that main guitar riff, for whatever reason, it always makes me think of Dire Straits. Is there like a or Mark Knopfler? Is there like a song that a similar sort of riff, or is it just just me just being silly? But it's a song. I've, I mean, I've known that riff for ages and that song for ages. But for some reason, it always makes me think of Dire Straits. See, this is that dun, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, nothing. No particular Dire Straits song jumps out to me, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just for whatever reason that just I, I don't know why. It just always just I go. Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler, yeah. <laughs> for some reasons. But I mean, that's a compliment too, because I mean, there's a, there's a guitar legend as well, you know, in Mark Knopfler. So sure, I mean, it's it's Strat City, uh, Strat, and very melodic Strat, and uh, I guess he uses a lot of the in between sounds too, doesn't he? Like Knopfler, so Knopfler does, yeah. Knopf- he, he wants to be cleaner yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, forever, forever now. Yeah, it's probably my favorite Mossy solo. That that outro solo. He is just. Oh yeah. It's like he's floating over the. Oh. Over that thing, it's just amazing. He, he starts this legato run, and he's he's again floating over the rhythm, and it just keeps going. It just keeps yeah. going till he pulls it in, and it's genius. The other standout for me was the outro solo on um, on Taipan. Oh yes, yep, yep. Like um, jeez. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, that's another one. Okay, that, that, that's that, to me that was a, that's a really generally like that's a quite different song to a lot of the rest. It sort of to me that stood out as a song that sort of it doesn't sound a lot like the rest of the album to me. Taipan. Yeah, it's uh, it takes um, and the arrangement too. It, takes a left it sort field. of goes very different bits. Um, it sort of goes from quite you know it changes quite drastically. That's what I like about the solo. So when Rob, you're talking about that solo, it, it's such a journey in that tune. Like he's he's playing yeah. over one chord for a while, then he plays over the verse, and then there's some ascending sort of chord progression. Yeah, it sort of reminded me not not an execution, but it reminded me a little bit of the Sweet Child of Mine solo at the uh, at the end where Slash yeah, is right. playing over these different kind of chapters. It feels yeah. like that to yeah. me, the the, the Taipan solo. Um, but he, yeah, he is wailing on that man. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's he a great song. improvise. You know, that's why he's so different live. And yeah, you know, people. I've had conversations with people where they said they've seen him in absolute stellar form and then be off because he really is that gypsy soul that everyone talks about, right. and just gets in the moment. 
and improvises a lot. And from someone, I'm not saying I'm in his category, but in a similar way that I approach my, approach my guitar playing that way, is that when you feel off, nothing works. No, like if yeah. you're off mentally mm-hmm. or emotionally, then that comes out in your playing. And he's definitely that type of guitar player where you you know where he's at from yeah. the first moment he starts playing. Nice, man. Very cool. Any uh, any other moments you wanna you wanna highlight for us, Rob? No, I think yeah, I think those two songs and that that Taipan outro yeah. for me were absolute standouts. And you know, like when the war is over, who who doesn't get a little bit teared up during that song oh, and yeah. then want to like start breaking furniture when Jimmy comes in at the end. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, oh, I'm being lullaby, lullaby, sweet, Um, you know, and then let's just destroy everything I've built at the end. (laughs) It's just that that light and dark that those two have going on is just the the juxtaposed vocals work so well. And, and, you know, Steve Presswich, his harmonies are great. Yeah. just yeah i think that they're, they're all the standouts for me yeah i love it in bow river when when barnsey comes in as well vocally it, it just yeah, it's like it, a formula that works yeah so well. like it's already it's already peaking and you just want to go a little harder bring jimmy in man you take <laughs> you take this one jimmy <laughs> yeah man yeah i mean mossy's such a great singer um such a beautiful tone um uh, i love i love barnsey Barnsley too. He's, there's just so much um, energy and passion. I, I love hearing him sing. He could sing anything. He could sing. Um, I heard him sing on uh, on Triple M. I heard him do an acoustic version of Dancing Queen, yeah. <laughs> and it was fantastic. It was so good. Oh. I remember seeing him. Was it at the at the Olympics the, in Sydney, the closing ceremony or opening ceremony, and they played Land Down Under? Uh, and he was on stage okay. and he was somewhere in the back, nowhere near microphones. <laughs> and he was just there going, ah, like veins popping out, screaming as loud. And he was louder than the singer right at the moment. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. He's not a subtle backing no, background singer. Subtle, like, no. <laughs> you hear him on some of those um, those Eric, Richard Clapton like live things okay. in Glory Road. Right. And you can just hear him. He's so like identifiable in the background. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, it's yeah. Jimmy Barnes singing harmonies. Yeah. You can just hear it. And wow. Him and Diesel have done a lot of things in the past. And um, yeah, he does backing vocals on the cover that Diesel does of uh, Have Love Will Travel, which okay. was a couple of records okay. ago. Yeah, wow. And you can just hear, you know, Jimmy comes in and does some lead, but there's no backing vocal when it comes to him on a track. Yeah, man. It's uh, yeah, it's it's so yeah, good. He's just, yeah, he's a he's he's been successful for a reason because he really hasn't ever compromised who he is or yeah. or changed. You know, he's kind of ACDC in a way. <laughs> that same way, you know what you're going to get. Similar sort of voice too, actually. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I did um, I, I a little bit of work when I did some work at um, at the studio in Barrel. It was called, like I said. During the the Diesel episode, that was um, yeah. I think it was called the White House when I was there. Um, it was called what it was Freight Train. Freight Train, yeah. yeah. So the the engineer producer we worked with had worked with with Barnsley during some of his solo career. So we were we were asking him questions all the time. What did Jimmy do here? And he would say Jimmy would want to sing in the control room, um, 
he would do one take, his pitch would be perfect, and he'd just sort of whack you on the back of the head if you wanted a bit more, uh, a bit more of himself out of those studio monitors. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the pitch just killing it. So, oh man, there you go, um, Gabor. Again, this will be interesting. Your unique uh, take. Yes. On this. Uh, and and I may lose my Australian Australian citizenship now. Uh, <laughs> so I think, uh, and I mean it in the nicest possible way, but I think I'm allergic to Barnsley. <laughs> I, I get it. I, I I do get it. I understand. Um, to me, okay. So this is this is what I wrote down, right? So um, <laughs> am I? This is like, in, I've heard, folks. I've I've heard some of the songs before. Uh, there's going to be, uh, I think I need to um, move or something because there's going to be riots outside of my house. But anyway, um, uh, no, no, and I, I, I don't mean it in a bad way. This is just, just totally like, because I haven't really listened to it much before. Um, the things I wrote down is uh, great guitar sound, love the keyboards. Yeah. yeah. Throughout, I oh, thought yeah. keyboard piano. Yeah. I, again, I don't know anything about them, but I thought it was great keyboard playing. Drummer's great. Drum sound is great. Um, okay, then when it comes to songs, right? So for me to stand out songs, I wrote down Bow River, uh, Forever Now, Taipan, Hound Dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the War Is Over. And then um, is it Letter to Alan? Is that like a secret song at the end or something? Yeah. It seemed to be coming in late or something. With It's that piano ballad that then goes some completely different and then goes back to a piano ballad. Yep, yeah, yeah. The last track on the album. Yeah, the last track on the album. It was just, it yeah. seemed on, when, where I listened to it, it seemed to come sort of after the track before. So I don't know. I thought, it, I don't, wasn't sure if it was a secret track or, you know, like the, the song before ended and then there was a gap of, I don't know, 30 seconds and then that song started. So I don't know if it was just put together funny when I listened to it. Anyway, um, okay, so what I've written down for Bow River, uh, that's a song I knew because of, of, I played it in a duo with a guy up here. Yeah. Uh, but the thing I wrote down is, um, uh, I like the voice. I like it because it's not Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went, <laughs> spoke too early, here's Barnsley. Because <laughs> he comes in later on. <laughs> uh, Can I just jump in here? Um, I, I just need to just pop in, just to save a lot of editing from me, The uh, some of the opinions expressed on iconic albums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not necessarily representing Sorry. the guitar speak. Okay, sorry, sorry, good boy. <laughs> sorry, Keep Australia. Going, man. Sorry, Australia. No, I like, I like the diversity. Come on. Yeah, that's no, all good. It's a, so yeah, so sorry. So I don't know Barnsley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel bad anytime you talk to to an Australian who grew up in those days, you know, and you say that you know, oh, I don't know Barnsley. Yeah. yeah. You, you get very weird looks. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. like, go to your room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. Sorry, man, keep going. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then so okay, so then I wrote forever now. Um, very iconic riff. It always reminds me of Mark Knopfler Die Straits for some reason. Um, uh, and great outro solo. Um, Taipan, interesting song. Gr- uh, good arrangement. Uh, great solo. Uh, Hound Dog. Um, I like that sort of Peter Gunn style spy movie riff yeah, kind of cool thing. Riffs. That sort of low Definitely. notes and throughout. The whole song, he does a lot of sort of lickage. Is that the word? Like little licks, yeah. and mostly on the lower strings. Uh, and I always like that. That's always a thing I really, really dug. Um, <laughs> then right for when the war is over. Um, again, doesn't seem to be Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs> and I spoke too soon again. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, and then letter to Alan. Um, it went somewhere really unexpected uh, after the ballad, uh, and then back to the ballad again. Um, and good, uh, good solo in it as well. I wrote, or at the end, good solo at the end. Yeah, yeah. So that was my notes. So um, I will now accept my punishment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're just losing subscribers on the super awesome oh. happy time better show right now. <laughs> oh, well. It's going. Tick, I can hear it going. Tick, tick, tick. So, yeah. yeah, it's like the Un- <laughs> unprecedented. <laughs> it's like the. Do you remember the worm on those political debates that would would go yeah, in real yeah, time? Yeah, it's right. just like <laughs> dropping down, <laughs> way down, way way down. Oh, man, we're going to take a short break on the Guitar Speak podcast. We've got to talk to Gabor, and we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man, look, there's no wrong answers. I'm fired. This is music. There's no wrong answers, okay? Okay. But you're wrong. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cup. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. All right, welcome back to Iconic Albums. We're talking about Cold Chisel's Circus Animals album from 82. And, of course, the guitar player is Ian Moss, just doing some fantastic stuff. Um, so my standout tracks, look, it's it's kind of really similar. Um, I think, Rob, you nailed it when you said the hits are hits for a reason. I've sort of already mentioned Forever Now. Uh, Bo River, that the solo goes ballistic i think a big reason for that is is the band those when they the bah, 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 when they do these little accents then they keep motoring on it just builds such momentum mm. yeah like a lot of, i know like shook me all night long you know the the solo the first half the band's all punching and then they just slam it home i, I love the, that kind of rhythmic kind of um kind of stuff so yeah, I mean, it's hard to hard to fault those. Man, shout out to the late, great Steve Presswich on, on drums who wrote Forever Now and When the War Is Over. Um, oh, the drummer wrote yeah. them. Wow, yeah. okay. Pretty much everyone in the, in the band wrote. Phil Small, the bass player, he didn't write anything on this album, but he's got plenty of other credits. He wrote My Baby, um, huge hit off East. Uh, but everyone else wrote. Jimmy wrote uh, You Got Nothing I Want. The uh, the opening track, which is just hmm. a, a killer, which was a a response to the American record company's interest and support of Chisel when they were trying to break it over there, and oh, okay. apparently that song came back to bite him a little bit when his solo career was starting to make some moves in America. There were still some executives okay. hanging around that uh, <laughs> remembered that. That's the story, anyway. Who knows? Yeah, I, I guess one of the things I love about Chisel full stop is that they are aggressive and rocking um but there's all this sophisticated writing as well behind the scenes so you got nothing i want it's it's pretty in your face rock and roll tune you come out this great solo section and there's this really clever bridge that kind of modulates and then brings them back to the one it's um yeah it's genius genius songwriting wild colonial boy that's that's an interesting track 
little bit of multimeter in the in the front. They they move between four and three uh, time signatures. It's kind of okay. somewhat progressive. One of the things Don Walker said about this record is, like I mentioned at the start, they were sort of kicking against the the commercial success of East, so they were trying to experiment a little bit just within their own four walls. Um, yeah. To drop another chisel, or was that a Barnsley song? I can't remember. No, that was chisel. That was chisel. Yeah, four walls. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's a very Australian album. So many Australian references in this in this record, um, which is cool. Which which I guess is why you know again a lot of us resonated. A lot of Australians resonated with this band because they were singing about. Um, I think I think Nambucca gets a mention, doesn't it? Yeah, I did. Hear yeah, that. I remember there was something about Nambucca. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, these quintessential Australian songs. Even K-San, which we've, we've already mentioned, we've all, we've all played uh, willingly or otherwise on a gig. Um, <laughs> I think because it's become a bogan anthem, but as as it has, as we yeah. all know, the lyrics are, are really... Uh, Not bogan, yeah. No, really, really full-on yeah. account of post-traumatic yeah. stress disorder from a, yeah. uh, a, an Australian veteran. So, yeah, but I think, I think they're my main... My main standouts when the when the war is over, man, the solo in that it just it's beautiful and spells out the chord changes. Um, it's like every note's perfect. The forever now intro is really pulling out some beautiful chord tones, which is interesting because the idea I get from Mossy growing up in Alice Springs, he was very much self-taught as a guitar player, but he's again he's there's a whole level of sophistication on top of the the blues rock and roll thing. Yeah, and he never seems to overplay. Like, it's really hard on anything of theirs, even in the live stuff. Yeah. He always seems to play the right thing for just the right amount of time. Mm-hmm. He can do the slow build like nobody's business. Yeah. And obviously the tone is there, um, which is a big a big part of his, you know, whole thing. Yeah. Um, it, yeah basically, it's a strat into a really loud Marshall, but I'm sure we'll get into the gear. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, yeah, it's just, he's one of those guys where you go, he never, you know, there's moments like Taipan mm. and Bow River where he, you could argue that he, he gets a bit shreddy. Yep. Um, but it's within context. Oh, definitely. It's yeah. not, it's not out of the, you know, the realms of what the song requires, which is, you know, that's why they're iconic guitar solos within iconic songs. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. Perfect. Well, yeah, let's let's talk about some of the tones and and some of the gear. So, early '80s. There's not heaps of documentation. So, I took a leaf out of Rob's book and I was watching old live videos and pressing pause and um, <laughs> and, and Mossy, by his own admission, um, was has been swapping gear in and out of his rig since day one. But there are some very uh, important parts of the tonal recipe. So, yes, a strat. Or something that looks like a strat and yep. that functions as a strat, whether it was built by Fender or not, um, a Marshall, and uh, and something to boost that Marshall with. So they're the they're the they're the quick notes. Rob, did you have some stuff you want, you mentioned um, Peach? Yeah, stage? shout out shout out to Stewie Kent who, uh, when I was doing research for this album, his name popped up in the forums um, for anyone. Up here on the Northern Rivers, no Stewie Kent from the band Epic. Um, he's also he's a martial aficionado. He likes oh. to tinker 
And uh, awesome. he's got a wall of marshals, like a literal wall of marshals. Um, but he said from the things that he found out over the years and actually got from Mossy directly, um, he, for the recording of that, he was using a Schecter Telly a lot at that time. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, and his favorite Mongol strap at the time, which was a neck from a 62 on a 70s body. Right. Um, and somewhere between this album and the next album, which, what was the next album? 20th Century? Uh, let me check. Um, he put EMGs in it. Um, I was going to ask because I've heard, I've heard stories about him using EMGs. Yeah, and, and they stayed in like right through yeah. to when he recorded and toured Matchbook. So um, he did that a lot. Marshall Super Lead 100. Yep. Um, mods. He was talking about mods too, that um, at some point he had a bright cap like changed or removed and the tone stack was disconnected. Um, and I also read mm-hmm. that there was a, it was uh, modded with a master volume. Um, and yeah, as you said, the boosting came from a Boss Overdrive. So I guess in the yellow OD1, um, which can be seen on the floor of the playroom footage uh, that you might have, the one of the ones you were watching on YouTube, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the chorus sound... Yeah, which has been quoted, and it's all over circus animals and subsequent things. Was a Yamaha rack mount analog delay. Interesting. Um, and he was quoted as saying, liking the thick hollow tube sound that that delay delivered. So kind of, you know, that's where you're getting that. I guess the high mids, that tubular sound, mm. um, very much like that Satriani neck sound. You know? Yeah, it's got interesting. That, it's like hollow. Um, but yeah, that that sort of the stuff that I could get. And obviously, mate, I used to play cranked high watts and over the years, a silver face fender yeah. um, early on. Okay. But yeah, that was that was what I could get. And thanks again to Stewie. Yeah, for that's cool. His contribution. Yeah, nice. I've, um, it's interesting that that real chorusy delayed sound, I mean, that's all over the, the swing shift record as well. Uh, if anything, I thought this record was a little drier than the live album um, in terms of chorusy sounds and things. Things like that, but um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I found some similar stuff to you, but man, that's that's a good dive there, Rob. That's awesome. Um, I, I always associate that the forever now and the when the war is over tone. I always think a strat with a tube screamer and a marshal. Now, I guess the thing and Gabor, you might jump in here. The Boss OD one and the subsequent yep. uh, SD one, the Super Overdrive. Yeah. Um, they share a very similar topography with the with the tube screamer. They do, I believe. Uh, well, the very early OD ones had a different different uh, um, chips in it, but I think it was even the, the what is it IC well, not IC four five five eight whatever it is the chip that's in the tube screamer is also the one that's later on in the in the OD ones. They are very similar. Yeah. 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 I guess tonally too, they do a similar job. I know one's symmetrical, one's not. I can never remember which one. Is yeah, in terms no, of the I can never remember that stuff either. Um, <laughs> but there was an Ibanez Strat too. Sorry, I missed. Oh, okay. his, yep. his main guitar for a while was an Ibanez Strat. Mm-hmm. So you got Schecter Tellys and Ibanez Strats. And I know he was one of the guys that was responsible for the um, the popularity of profile strats because I believe he had a profile strat for a while there prior to this. Um, but yeah, that was they apparently copied. 
the Japanese did the profile series based on a 57 Strat. Yeah, I think right. from memory, that's so when you come across them, and I've owned one, um, it was a bit dead sounding, so I didn't hold on to it. But there have been good ones, and to bring it back, Diesel used a profile as his backup for a long time. So that was like the first big, of course, Yamaha were here, but in Australia, profile was like our MIJ brand, and a lot yeah, of people yep. using profiles. The silhouette was the top of the range, yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, I I just went off on a tangent. Nah, that's there. cool. I remember <laughs> Randall Waller, um, Aussie who ended up playing with Shania Twain and he did yeah. Dragon and Rose Tattoos. Man, what a dude. He, um, yeah, he had a pair of profiles too that he took with him. They were his main guitars when he first went to the States for the Shania gig. And they had the, wow. they had the EMGs in there. Um, one had a humbucker and the other with three singles. And uh, yeah, cool guitars. Got to play one once, loved it. Um, yeah, I guess. Got to check them out. Yeah, Mossy by this stage, like you said, Rob, he wasn't onto the AMG pickups yet. He wasn't reversing the bridge pickup yet. Um, that's the thing he did later in the eighties. So the Jimi Hendrix idea oh, okay. that the the angle of the Strat, so the uh, treble strings, um, the pickups a little close to the neck is angled towards the neck, and the bridge, uh, the, the bass oh, strings, okay. um, it, it's angled more towards the. And it makes more sense. Like anybody who thinks about a strap bridge pickup, yes, it makes more sense. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Leah Fender wasn't a musician, and he did a lot of things. He, he called a lot of things a wrong thing too. So you know, he didn't really know about that sort of stuff. I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, for sure. I mean, it's the whole vibrato tremolo thing, isn't it? That's. I mean, he did. He, That's he, right. he got that wrong. Got that that was. He, yeah. Happy birthday, Leah Fender. He had his birthday this month too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Leo. Hey, back to... If I can just stay on the Boss Overdrive just for a moment, the whole tonal thing is it's got a really pronounced mid-range and yeah. it rolls off a little bit of bottom end and it rolls off some top end. So you get a lot of penetration in a mix and that singing sound. And I definitely hear that on Forever Now and When the War Is Over. But um, And I do think that's the quintessential mossy tone. Just to just to jump on with mm -hmm. your thought again there, Rob. Um but I don't hear that a lot on the rest of the record. It sounds a little more full range when he's boosting. Now, I have read, hold on to your hat, Gabor. I have read Oop. that um, he's used a rat at times as well into those. Ah, yeah, good I man. See, I'm starting to like him more and more. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, sometimes Bill Lawrence pickups, which were a, a higher output single coil yeah. back yeah. in the day. Um, again, pre-EMG. He, he must have loved those yeah. EMGs. Um, that's the good i think the the bill lawrence's were in that ibanez from what stewie was saying okay um, okay yeah and i i read on that forum too from um dwayne ledford shout out to dwayne oh yeah great amp builder. Uh, amp builder um in australia he said he did work on a um one of mossy's amps um i won't get this verbatim because i just read the the forum last night but he said there was a high gain mod okay in his marshall that he ended up taking out um, for okay. Mossy, so okay. there was a point there in the '80s that he had that high gain mod on the Marshall uh, that got taken off. So that might be one of the mods that Stewie was talking about. Yeah, too. okay. Hey, I've got a theory about strats. And I want to run it by you guys. Um, right, hit me. I am, and I'm a strat guy. So just from what I've played, so this is bad podcasting. The brown one behind me, I've been playing that for over 20 years. Uh, recently got another strat style built um so i love them and i've played them all my life but i reckon until you you get to turn them up a bit 
will an amp up a bit to run your strat into, they can be like a, a essentially a thin guitar without yeah without some volume going on. I think more than most guitars I've played anyway, the strat needs um, a loud amp to for it to actually it needs, sing and to express. It needs that compression. I mean, it's the same. It's it's and you can really tell with the strat when you play it at lower levels. Yeah. If you use a compressor. It starts sounding, it fattens up and, and becomes bigger. It really needs that that natural amp compression, um, and that's you know all, a lot of the iconic sort of Strat guys, yeah. they absolutely crank the bejeebus out of their amps, and I mean there's a reason why they did that because yeah, it, yeah. it just it, it made it work. I think we talked about that before with the the interaction of the pickups picking up the sound that's coming back from the speakers. So this yeah. whole like relationship of the harmonic content. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. It's you're getting the vibration as, yeah, as yeah, yeah. not just from the string, but from the guitar and the air Well the that's body being resonates, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. why strats they get bigger as you get louder because they yeah. they're very traditionally low output pickups. And that's when you, you start playing with fatter strings and louder amps yeah. that you get that Stevie Ray yeah. effect and those other guitar players that have gotten that sound. Yeah, yeah. totally. So but yeah, it's hard to sit here with like a bedroom yeah, volume and get yeah. the strat to sound the way you hear it in your head. And yeah. I think maybe a lot of people struggle. And I know I've moved away from strats to P90 style Gibson guitars because those things, they they at any volume, they get the sound they that you want. That bark, you, know, yeah, you don't have to just... fight it so hard. Yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 Man, just all the low level gigs I did on my strat styles and once I got to be a bit loud when I joined the chisel show. <laughs> that's it, man. That's, oh, that's it. what happens. So, yeah. Thanks, Mossy. Um I mean you can hear you can hear some of those long notes feeding back in um I think it's the end of the second Forever Now solo and in a bit of when the war is over, and again, it's that very thick mid-range tone that's going to feed back quicker than than others, perhaps. Um, yeah. But I can hear that, so I think, all right, he's playing loud. That's how yeah. he's getting some of that tone as well. Um, because the sustain, like you guys are saying, the sustain, um, like it's, there's not a lot of gain. Like when we say Mossy high gain, his version of high gain compared to, I don't know, Slipknot or something, <laughs> it's a totally different kind of... Yeah. Can of worms there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a similar thing. We bring it back to Blackmore. Yeah, you yeah. Know, those cranked marshals that aren't super overdriven, they're pushed a little bit with a strat, and you can't get that sound at, at the lower volumes. It's, it's almost like having a, it's almost like a clean sound that has that distortion sustain. Um, again, because of the compression, because the tubes just compress so much. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's a special sort of thing. Yeah. That unless you have stood in front of a really loud amp, that's I guess one of the downsides of all you know modelers and all that stuff nowadays. You can't you can't get that because that interaction is just not there. Yeah. Hey, fun story I heard. Um, maybe in the last couple of years, Mossy did look into the modeling stuff. He okay booked some time in stage store with a couple of fractal folks, um, and yeah, he's still playing amps these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the that's that was that story. Awesome. All right. I mean, we could go on all night about Mossy's various guitars. These days, he's playing. Well, we could, but probably in a good maybe could. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still, I'm still writing. I will love Barnsley a thousand yeah. times on a blackboard. <laughs> so I'm folks, only about halfway through. So <laughs> we had to cut the uh, the trivia version of tonight's episode. Um, so. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Let's wrap it there. I reckon Cold Chisel Circus Animals from 82. Amazing record. Ian Moss, totally on top of his game. It's a great record. Rob and Gabor, thanks so much for, for talking about it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Uh, quick shout out, Gabor. How can we find out more about your anti Australian uh... <laughs> <laughs> content? Creation. Oh, dear. Um, well, I don't know. I'm going to have to relocate to a different country now. But uh, once I'm there, <laughs> in the meantime, uh, you can find me. Uh, <laughs> please, please, no hate. You can find the super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. All one word, so super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show on YouTube. And we do, you know, guitar and amp and pedal reviews and all that sort of stuff and just general silly <laughs> stuff. Um, yes, if you can forgive me, come and check that it's out. It's a great show. It's a great show. Yeah, and Rob? Um, yeah, just uh, my main gig is Living in the 70s, so just Living in the 70s live on Facebook, uh, probably the best place to get everything. All right, awesome. Guys, thanks again and uh, catch you next week. Bye. Ciao. All right. Thanks for joining us for another Guitar Speak podcast, Iconic Albums. I've really enjoyed putting these conversations together with Rob and Gabor, and it's been a really cool addition to our podcast show, which uh, every week has deep dive one-on-one interviews as well. That's been our bread and butter for the last five years, and that will be continuing as well. Thanks to Fretboard Biology for sponsoring today's episode. Check out the links in the show notes. All right, my name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. And in the words of Michael Schenker, German guitarist from UFO, the Scorpions and MSG. Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking indeed. I'll catch you next time. Bye now. <laughs>